Welcome, I'm Cliff Hedges. This is Pastor Cliff's Notes. This is a podcast where we're studying the Bible. We're working our way through the Gospel of Mark. Today is episode 978, and we're looking at Mark chapter 11, verses 20 through 25. Let's read the passage. Early in the morning, as they were passing by, they saw the fig tree withered from the roots up. Then Peter remembered and said to him, Rabbi, look, the fig tree that you cursed has withered. Jesus replied to them, Have faith in God. Truly I tell you, if anyone says to this mountain, Be lifted up and thrown into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says will happen, it will be done for him. Therefore I tell you, everything you pray and ask for, believe that you have received it, and it will be yours. And whenever you stand praying, if you have anything against anyone, forgive him, so that your Father in heaven will also forgive you for your wrongdoing. This is the Gospel of Mark. Mark's providing this gospel, this account of the ministry of Jesus. He began with the Galilean ministry, Jesus traveling through Galilee, teaching and healing. Then we saw the Gentile ministry, then the journey to Jerusalem. Now they are at Jerusalem. It began with Sunday, Palm Sunday, the triumphal entry. Then Monday, On Monday morning, as they were going to Jerusalem from Bethany, where they stay each night, he cursed the fig tree, then went into the temple area, cleansed the temple, chased out the money changers and the people selling doves. Then they went back to Bethany for the evening. Now it's Tuesday morning, and we pick it up in Mark 11, verse 20. Early in the morning, as they were passing by, they saw the fig tree withered from the roots up. So this is the fig tree that Jesus cursed the prior day, and now it's withered from the roots up. Now, what's the significance of that? It's not just that the leaves have fallen off of it. It looks like winter. No, this thing's withered from the roots up. So it is dead. This tree is dead. And remember, Jesus said, no one will ever eat fruit from you again. So it shows the totality of its destruction. Verse 21, then Peter remembered and said to him, Rabbi, look, the fig tree that you cursed has withered. Now remember, the fig tree represented Israel, and Israel has not produced the fruit that God expects. That is the reason for the cursing of the fig tree. It's a lesson. It's a parable. It's a metaphor for Israel that Israel has not produced the fruit desired by God, and so Israel is cursed by God. Israel is under God's judgment. Verse 22, Jesus replied to them, have faith in God. Now he has this discussion about faith and prayer. Okay, what's going on here? Now keep in mind what all's going on. We had the cursing of the fig tree that represented the lack of faith in Israel as a whole. That's why It hasn't produced the fruit necessary. And then he pronounced judgment on the temple. Specifically, what's going on in the temple? The lack of faith in the temple. Lack of prayer in the temple. And the problem is people were having faith in the temple. Faith in Judaism. Faith in religion. Not faith in God. And so Jesus says to them, have faith in God. Well, that's counter to what's been going on. People haven't had directly faith in God. They've had faith in these religious things. Continues verse 23. 
Truly I tell you, if anyone says to this mountain, be lifted up and thrown into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, believes what he has said will happen, it will be done for him. Well, he's probably talking about the Mount of Olives. They're on their way from Bethany. They're on the edge of the Mount of Olives. So when he says this mountain, that's obviously referred to the Mount of Olives. And up on the top of the Mount of Olives, on a clear day, you can see the Dead Sea. So when he says, this mountain be lifted up and thrown into the sea, he's probably talking about the Mount of Olives being thrown into the Dead Sea. So what do we do with this? Anyone says, this mountain be lifted up and thrown into the sea. Well, Jesus uses hyperbole a lot. That is exaggerated big language to make a point. Now, you may actually be referring to a reference in Zechariah 14, this prophecy of Zechariah, the end times, where the Mount of Olives is split in two, and that's when the Lord actually establishes his kingship and turns Jerusalem into a plain. So he may be actually talking about a Passover prayer for God to establish his reign, and this is figurative language for when God does that, in the prophecy of Zechariah, and Jesus is establishing his kingdom here. I'm not so sure about that. Some say, well, the mountain refers to the difficulties of life, specifically not just difficulties of life, but difficulties of Christian ministry. You're serving the Lord, you're going to encounter difficulties, some incredible difficulties, persecution, even martyrdom. There will be massive difficulties in serving the Lord and carrying out Christian ministry. And as the mountain of metaphor for these difficulties. And the solution to these difficulties faced is faith and prayer. Or is it just purely a case of hyperbole? He's saying there's nothing that God can't do. And the way you align with God is faith and prayer. And the limitations are only the sovereignty of God, because there's nothing that he cannot do. So the point he's getting at here is that access to God's through Christ, not Judaism. God's will is accomplished through faith and prayer, not following the rules of the temple. Because the thinking up to this point for most people is, I got a lot going on of difficulties in following God. I better make sure I do the temple rules right. That I get the exact right animal to go and make the sacrifice at the temple. And if I do all that, then I'm doing what God wants. And Jesus isn't impressed with all this. He says, no, this is not what is pleasing to God. And God has pronounced all of this stuff lacking. Continues verse 24. Therefore, I tell you, everything you pray and ask for, believe that you have received it, and it will be yours. Faith and prayer gives us the certainty that God can deal with any difficulty we face. And we see these promises several times. If you ask in faith, God will do it. And sometimes we get frustrated with that because there's things we ask for and God doesn't do. The key is asking in faith and asking in accordance with God's will. And sometimes, sometimes we feel, well, just, I don't know what God's will is, so I don't know what to pray for. That's a good thing right there to pray for. And one of the things about prayer, is the way we often look at prayer is how to get something from God. But prayer is talking with God, interacting with God, 
communicating with God. And one of the purposes of prayer is for us to align with God. Not to get God to align with us, but for us to align with God. As we get closer in alignment with God, our desires more closely align with God. And then we find God actually answering our prayers more because our prayers are more in line with his desires. Verse 25, and wherever you stand praying, if you have anything against anyone, forgive him so that your father in heaven will also forgive you in your wrongdoing. Okay, what's this? Something, this may just have been added because this is very similar to the words from the Lord's Prayer where he talks about prayer and then talks about forgiving one another. Well, it is similar, but I think Jesus probably said these similar things many times. It's an important aspect that we a lot of times miss. Christian ministry is accomplished in the context of Christian community. This idea of one another. Too often we focus prayer on getting what I want. And prayer is more aligned with accomplishing what God wants. And this one another aspect is huge in Christian ministry. That we do Christian ministry with one another. And our relationship with one another is incredibly important. Look at John 17. Jesus' prayer just before the crucifixion. How much time he devotes to this idea of unity between Christian brothers and sisters. It's a big deal. And it's often said that you cannot have a healthy relationship with God if you're either unable or unwilling to have healthy relationships with one another. I agree with that. How, How can you love God if you don't love God's people? If you don't love what God loves, don't love who God loves. That's part of loving God and growing in that relationship with God. A growing relationship with God means I'm growing in my relationship with one another. And a big part of that is forgiveness. And so our relationship with God is tied up so tightly with our relationship with one another. Verse 26 is not in the Christian Standard Bible. It's not in most modern translations because it's believed it was probably because verse 25 is so similar what's in the Lord prayer, somebody had added basically a, a copy of Matthew 6.15 here in verse 26. So you don't lose anything, it's elsewhere in the Bible. So what's going on here? We've got this basically three-part episode. Part one, Monday morning, heading into Jerusalem, cursing the fig tree. And that's judgment on Israel for not bearing fruit. Then part two, Monday Later in the day, cleansing the temple. Judgment on the temple. Lack of faith. Lack of prayer. And then back to Bethany. Then segment three, Tuesday morning, passing the fig tree, seeing that it was cursed. And then this discussion about prayer. That what God really wants is us to know him directly through faith in Jesus Christ, living lives of prayer and Christian unity. So the judgment is on Judaism, which has basically lost its faith, and the temple process, which has gone astray, and the idea of a direct relationship with God through faith in Jesus Christ. Thanks for joining me. Join me again next time as we continue working through the Gospel of Mark.